Welcome to Zero to One Cast, the podcast where thought leaders in Web3 meet to discuss pertinent topics in the cryptocurrency and NFT world. My name is JPEGtologist, and I will be your host for today. So sit back, grab yourself a notepad if you wish, and enjoy. Today, we are joined by Master Builder, Alex. Say hi, Alex. Hi, what's up? Alex is a co-founder and leader of Blocksmith Labs, a company that focuses on building high-quality applications for the Web3 space. He is also leader of two NFT projects on the Solana blockchain, Smiths and Migos. Both these projects are part of Blocksmith Labs. Today, he'll be talking to us about crafting experiences for NFT projects. So tell us about yourself, Alex. How did you get into Web3? Hey, I'm Alex. Um, like you said, I'm a co-founder of BSL and uh, Smiths and Migos. I was on ETH first. I was building some you know, smaller stuff, mints for other projects uh, as a service. And mm-hmm. that was great. And uh, on accident, I accidentally you know, stumbled upon Solana for DJ Apes Mint. And since then, I've been here. I was a lead dev at DGods, and then I started my own thing, BSL. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the rest mm-hmm. is history. Perfect. Okay. And, and are you enjoying it? Are you loving it? Oh, there. <laughs> highs are really high and the lows are really low. So I'm not going to lie. It, when, when it's great, uh, you know, it, it's the best thing in the world. But when it's not going good, it's the worst thing in the world. Because, uh, you know, when you have like, let's say, 3,000, 5,000 people rooting for you, when mm. it doesn't go well, there are also like 5,000 people who are, I don't know, against you, who you, mm-hmm. you know, who want to do you better. I mean, it's yeah. all fair. Uh, it's all part uh, of the ecosystem but yeah it is what yeah. it is but you'd have to be prepared uh, and you'd have to be insane to start your own nft project because it's not easy it <laughs> it literally is uh, you know a full-time job not in as like eight hours 40 hours uh job it's literally it literally takes up 24 7 when you're not working you're thinking about working yeah uh, so yeah it's <laughs> tough but it's also rewarding so yeah perfect yeah well, as long as you're, you know, you're enjoying it. And, and I think you know, you're, you're doing quite a good job because at most NFT projects that were started at that time that you started, they're nowhere to be seen anymore. So I think the fact that you've existed for so long and you're still building and you're still growing, that's quite a good thing. And part of this growth is obviously attributed to man, the many experiences that you've created for Smiths and Migos. And we wanted to talk a little bit about that you know, so that you can help us understand more about creating these experiences and maybe help other founders as well about, about this. So experiences form the cornerstone of most NFT projects as we know them. They keep a project's community engaged and excited about their NFTs. So tell us about your thought process for crafting new experiences. Uh, I fundamentally believe that any product or service should be either solving a problem or should give you an experience, right? You have mm-hmm. built product for a long time. They solve, uh, you know, problems. That was fine. But when we wanted to venture into NFT experiences, um, mm-hmm. I think for an experience to be really felt, uh, you should experience a mood, right? You should be happy. You should be mad. You should be emotional. Some sort of emotion, right? So that's how I see all of these experiences. Um, it could give you nostalgia. That's what we want to do with Migos because that's what mm-hmm. I've been thinking since the inception of this collection. But with uh, you know, Smiths, uh, we wanted to feel like you're you know you're wearing a crown. I think that was also uh, in the messaging of everything that we have done with the experiences for Smiths. We wanted you uh, to feel hyped up. Uh, you know, we wanted you to feel like a king. You know, that you're wearing a crown. That you're part of this 
uh, ecosystem that treats you like that. So, so different mm-hmm. uh, kind of emotions for different experiences. But yeah, yeah, I look at experiences as a way to you know evoke emotions. So that's the main thing. If it's not making you feel something, it might as well be a product that solves a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, that's how I look at these different kind of products and services. So let's say you want to sit, you sit down and you say, okay, I, I'm going to create a new experience for Migos. What, what do you first start thinking? Do you first start thinking along those lines and, and how do you progress from there? Yeah, I, I think even with experiences, um, we're all working towards the goal of making the community stronger, right? So that should be mm-hmm. the first goal. So you should make people care about other people and also uh, the project itself, right? So any community, you should work on making all of them excited for a common shared goal, right? So the the initial stages, we want to spend on making the community stronger, knowing each other, following each other, and, you know, creating these friendships. So anything like that, maybe not friendship, some sort of uh, professional relationship. And that is why we want to build something for the community so that they can engage with each other. And that's why MeBase is coming first rather than, you know, game, which is probably an individual experience. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. is why, so with MeBase, uh, you can connect your Discord, Twitter, uh, your wallets, and it'll show, um, you know, all the Migos that you have. And there'll be a separate Twitter page, which will tweet out, oh, someone from this location joined. And then the community will have that experience of welcoming this person, uh, joining them. Uh, if they're nearby, your, you know, your location, you can go up and meet up and, or even just, just talk over Twitter or, you know, social media. You know, so and there there would be a lot of lot more things on MeBase, right? So you can also see their holdings, but you can see their badges, energy levels, uh, energies and levels. Sorry, um, all of that. So we want community to know each other. So when that happens, uh, people are excited for the common shared goal, which is uh, all the gaming stuff that we want to build, all the new tech that we want to integrate, CFTs. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's the stage that, that we're at right now with Migos. And I've had the same philosophy for Smiths as well. So it, it's, I think the bottom line is uh, you should make people excited for what, you, what you're building. People were excited for Bifrost because um, they had their incentive and it, it's super hard for people to care about software. And I think BSL is one of the few projects that have been able to do that. No, people were excited for all of our launches. Uh, we were hinting Bifrost, Raven, um, yeah. you know, a shift, all these projects. People were excited. So, yeah, uh, I would say different kind of incentives. But either way, uh, the bottom line is that you should make people care and excited about you know, what you're dropping. Yeah, that's really important because lots of people, they build... Well, what I see is people building for the sake of building. And then they build something and they, they put in so much in effort in. And, uh, and no one cared about it. <laughs> it's like, oh no. And then they're demoralized and then they quit, you know. And, you know, so I, I, I think you're absolutely right. People have to be excited about it, isn't it? Um, but I think what's really impressed me a lot about Blocksmith Labs products as well is that they're very high quality, I, I would say. You know, the, the experience using uh, any of the, the services, they're quite high quality compared to many of the other projects that, I'm involved in it, which, you know, I have, I have so many NFTs, I can't even count them anymore. Um, what, what's your secret to making such high quality applications? I mean, it's no secret because it, it, 
it's something that takes a lot of time to learn because mm-hmm. I have worked for like top tech companies. Uh, the last one was Coinbase and was uh, Apple before that and was Cisco before that. Um, yeah. The first project that I was involved as a junior dev was a smart city platform where you would see literally you can control the whole city. It would give you a God mode over city, you know? So all every challenge that I've had in my you know personal career as uh, as a dev was, was all top-notch. Even at Coinbase, uh, I think you're obsessed with design, right? Um, I would say that's also how I think in terms of, uh, you know, applications and the quality of these applications. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're always uh, first UI, UX, and then comes the tech. Because um, I think over time, we have had people complaining that, you know, why is this not on chain? Why is this not built this way? Why is it not built that way? Because that's not how we build build applications, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we see what's the best UI and UX and go from there and see, okay, this is the tech that we would need for this and this is the tech that we would need for this. Mm-hmm. I think often when you build something, uh, more, actually a lot more in Web3 that, oh, I have this tech, uh, I have this, uh, you know, new emerging cutting edge tech. And how do I build a product around this tech? But we think the opposite. This is uh, what we want to do and what's the best tech for this? Because the users don't really care about the tech anywhere, not here, not Web2. They don't really care about the tech. And they shouldn't, absolutely. Uh, They should only care about how they experience that tech, right? So from their side, I mean... We don't really say this out loud, but we are absolutely obsessed with UI and UX. No, we'll make some changes. So we spend, you know, a few more uh, days to make sure that there is less clicks. Uh, We'll make sure that it's all seamless. Mm. So there's a lot of design obsession and UI UX obsession is probably why you, you see, you perceive uh, you know, higher quality applications. I believe that's the difference between you know, you know, normal application and a high quality application is just really the focus on UI and UX. Absolutely, and I think you know, it's it's not as if I I'm looking out for how many clicks there are, but it just comes into the experience that I have, the the general feel I have when I'm using the product. You see, so it's it's quite interesting because it's it's not like you know, it's not quantifiable to me. It's quantifiable to you because you're the dev, uh, but then to me, it's just oh, I like, I like using this and I use it and, and that's it. That's all it is. Um, but just moving back to experiences a little bit, you know, in terms of profitability, this is a bit of a difficult question because there are pros and cons to making something profitable. So many Web3 investors are here for the money, right? So to what extent do experiences need to be profitable to them or do experiences need to be profitable at all? Man, that's a, that's a really tough question and something I think every NFT founder is battling at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when you, it's all about the kind of incentive that you give, right? So yeah. when you say this is this is going to make you money, people stop caring about anything else. If you mm-hmm. want to build a brand, if you want uh, you know to build something that's sustainable, uh, people would stop caring about it, right? So as soon as the money stops, people would stop you know caring about it, and it's it's really, really tough to have something profitable and also making money for um, you know, the holders. 
we have mm-hmm. seen like short-term success from projects uh and that is i think it it comes down to the point that you were making there are a lot of collections that drop but why are they not here now i think we've seen something like mindfolk which which pump like i don't know 100 200 sol just because the SPL token was making, you know, crazy amounts of money, but how sustainable is that? Because, you know, yeah. it had no buyer pressure. There was only sell pressure. Yeah, because of the hype and the speculation, it would last for a few days, weeks, months. But mm-hmm. uh, that's what we focused on, I think, from day one. Like, how do we make this sustainable uh, where we don't have to, uh, you know, spend money to support it? I think that's what happens with a lot of collections. As yeah. long as you have the money uh, to support this and people are making money, they're happy. But I don't think something like that is sustainable over you know, a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always the battle between the two, isn't it? Because as you're right, if, if uh, you focus your project on just um, angling it towards making investors money, then when the money stops, they will stop. But if the project is just about you know, having nice experiences and you know, with no kind of expectation to be very rich in the future, then, then you know, you know, sometimes or ironically they just keep going and going uh, because because people just enjoy the, the the company. But also, there's another aspect, isn't it? It's just that you know, if 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 people want to sell the NFT itself as opposed to the SPL token, sometimes they can be just there for the experiences. But then suddenly, when the NFT goes up. Um, they're, they're gone because they've sold it. So, so that's still the you know, underlying, I don't know how much of it there is, but then there is an underlying level of people still wanting to make a profit. No, I, I absolutely agree that people should make money. I don't disagree with that. At the end of the day, I agree that we're all here to make money or holders, teams, whatever. We're all here to make money. But um, I think the missing element is that value generation, right? So People made money from Forge. People made money from Mercury, Bifrost, all of these uh, stuff that we've built. Uh, yeah. We build them for people to make money. But uh, the difference is that we have generated value, right? So uh, that's the whole point of having you know this team and this company to generate value, so that um, you know if you have this uh, thousand sol, you know you wouldn't have the same return. But if you gave us thousand sol, we build uh, we built a product that solved uh, solved a problem. So, yes. and with that, that I think that Mercury was the solution that I'm talking about. So people, uh, other people have found value from this, and mm-hmm. they used it, and you know all these white spots and all of these raffles and auctions and all of that stuff. So the thousand or the ten thousand sol that you gave, we were able to create multiple folds of value from this, uh, you know, from these tools like Mercury and Bifrost, right? So, yeah. if we were to buy back um, from market, you know, you you see this with a lot of collections, right? So we're gonna sweep the floor, we're gonna buy back the tokens. That's yeah. what I disagree with, right? If they're giving yeah. you uh, ten sol and then you're using that money to buy it back from the floor. There is absolutely no value creation there. But if they give you 10 sol or 100 sol and you're creating something that has value in the ecosystem and people would want to buy for sale 100 sol, then there is value creation there. And then, yeah, you can, if you can integrate your holders into that ecosystem, they'll end up making, let's say, you know, 100 sol more, right? So that's what I think uh, is missing from this whole discussion that where is the value generation if they're giving you money and you're putting it right back into you know sweeping or buying back the token i don't believe there is any value generation there 
Yeah, absolutely. When, when, when I see projects doing that, I kind of just stop caring because I, I, I know that they don't know what else to do. They're stuck and they just want to raise the floor price. And when, when projects focus on just raising the floor price as opposed to building true value or even claiming that creating value is raising the floor price, then I kind of just stop caring about that project because I realize, you know, they're not actually here to, to build anything or to create any value, which actually bring, uh, brings us back to experiences because in a way, so, you know, for, for Smiths, uh, maybe it's more about, you know, the tools that help to make Web3 better. But there's value generation in Migos as well in the sense that you're creating experiences, isn't it? It's not, maybe it's not as tangible as, you know, Mercury or, or, or Bifrost or something like that. But the experiences themselves, would you not say that that is value creation in a different way, you know, like community? I think there's also a missing mm. element that I haven't really mentioned anywhere else. But we absolutely want to replicate, um, you know, the kind of model that we had with BSL, right? So yeah. it had value generation because it was built for, you know, the larger ecosystem. So mm -hmm. when you create something just for the holders, uh, some people care, some people might not care. Uh, it's only about value extraction from the project itself. So it's not about value extraction from the ecosystem yeah. and people who see value in it, and then you can extract value for them, right? So mm -hmm. uh, I think there the missing element with Migos is a scale. Uh, if you see, you know, gaming or Web3 gaming, you know, idle gaming, semi-idle gaming, uh, all of these games, I think they're especially built only for holders. And there is no, you know, value extraction from outside the value, uh, you know, generated from the holders. So I think that's a missing element. Uh, let's say when you have uh, a game uh, with 50K, 100K followers, uh, not followers, uh, users. So then you can go to a brand and say, oh, I have a, oh, I have a game that has 50,000 uh, you know, daily active users or monthly active users, would you want to uh, advertise uh, your brand with us? You know, so, and then the value comes from that brand and you have multiplied the value, right? So I think the scale uh, is the missing part in gaming and we want to bring that uh, scale uh, to Migos as well. We can absolutely create, you know, a semi-idle game that People, you know, click a, you know, couple of buttons, uh, you know, get the token, sell them, and we'd have mm -hmm. to buy back those tokens to uh, to keep supporting that price. Yeah. But I don't see that model sustainable. Even if yeah. we do it, we would absolutely run out of money in like six months, and we'd have to do another collection. And that's something I don't see uh, is adding any value long term. Yeah. Well, we want to bring value in Migos through the scale. And that is why I think the experiences that we, when we're talking about that, yeah, mm -hmm. as a holder, you'd have benefits and you'd feel something. But if you can scale that to say 100K people, then uh, you can bring value from brands. You can bring value from new collections, um, them wanting to be involved. And yeah, from them uh, comes revenue and you can bring back uh, all of that um, to your holders. Absolutely. And suddenly 10,000 doesn't seem like a lot anymore <laughs> in terms of NFTs. We're bringing in yeah. 100,000, 200,000, you know, so it's absolutely right. So, so, you know, yeah, value generation. So we've talked about giving value uh, back to the holders and giving value to even people who are not holders, um, you know, taking value from outside. And that, I think that's really important. 
uh, especially in terms of sustainability, isn't it? Because, you know, you're, you're right, if, if you're just cycling the value within uh, the project itself, then eventually um, you'll run out of money, even from your holders and, and from, your, from your own treasury. But which actually kind of leads me to my next question. So many experiences that projects create are quite short-lived. Is this an issue in itself? And should projects strive to create experiences that last longer and keep communities engaged for longer? And if so, what would be your advice for projects wanting to craft longer-lasting experiences? So not something that lasts for only two weeks and is gone. You know, what, what would be your advice for, for the projects that want to have some longevity to these experiences? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because we also discuss this a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just Web3 is like a, you know, hyper fast space where in, mm -hmm. uh, let's say on Instagram, all reads like, why are they successful over like, uh, you know, long form content? Why, why is TikTok more successful in, than YouTube? And why is Twitter more successful than you know, normal blogging websites, right? So mm. I think over time, there is so much content on the internet and there's so many places that you can get, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, endorphin hit, uh, you know. So you would absolutely have to find way to get that attention and to give them, you know, this endorphin hit. So I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I think you should be aware that no matter what you build, the attention might not last for a long time. Yeah. And that is why when we did Me Jump, we knew the attention is not going to last more than like four weeks. And that is why we configured it that way. And going forward, and that is why we don't want to spend like a year working on something. And even if it's successful, there will be no one by the end to actually really care about that, right? So we want to get stuff out quickly, uh, smaller stuff that you know people would just play casually, yeah. uh, so that they get that in you know instant hit, and they don't have to spend a lot of time. Because if it's too long and you know too involved, they might you know. It's, turn on a PlayStation and, you know, play a game, I guess. So, yeah. and go on TikTok and go on Reels and go on Twitter because they would get that hit somewhere else. So it's it's absolutely important that you build something, keeping in mind that the attention span is, you know, not that long. I think the average attention span is like four or five seconds. You know, that's the time you would give for, for a video on the internet. Uh, if, yeah. if you're not entertained by that, uh, you know, people are going to scroll past that. So... Uh, it's not really a Web3 problem. It's just humans now, you know, how there's so much to consume that, uh, you know, if you want to be the best, um, you have to absolutely, uh, you know, get their attention from, you know, the first second. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that is difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, you want to create a long experience, but at the same time, you want to create the endorphin hit immediately. So, in a way, you kind of have to front load a lot of the, the experience, isn't it? So you kind of have to do both. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I think like AAA games would not work in Web3 because yeah. no one is giving you money and wait for like five years and people would yeah. rather sell it and move on to other collections. And you know, by the end, no one would really care. Yeah. I think space is optimized for like casual gaming where you know you don't have to really spend that much time. You just have to log on and 
don't have to go through user manuals or you know cutscenes and action sequences and all that. Just open it, play it, done. You know, you can go on about your day. So yeah, uh, it's just how humans are now. Um, I think if you watch Mr. Beast, he also says the same. Yeah, uh, you know, he puts like a really you know big thing like a train crash in the first three three to five seconds so that you yeah. you get the attention he gets the attention that's why he's so successful right because yeah. um, there, there are you know millions and millions of videos on youtube and why is mr b successful you know he knows how to get that attention and yeah um, it's also the same everywhere even web3 yeah, that's, that's really, really useful, actually, for, for projects wanting to create these experiences. So they really have to kind of sit down and really think really hard about what they want to create. Because I think, um, you know, you might as well go for a good, good idea um, and, and give it your best shot. But also understanding that not everything they create will get the success that they hope for. So, you know, it's, 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 it's all a bit of trial and error sometimes as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. So there's there is no playbook, right? No one really knows how yeah. crypto and NFTs are gonna end up. What kind of PMF they would have? So I think if any founder tells you they know exactly what they're doing, they're absolutely lying to you, because no one really knows what exactly uh, what they're doing and what's gonna you know end up being the next PMF for crypto and NFTs. Uh, I mean, yeah, a good founder would know the incentives, uh, you know the players in the game, not the game itself. I'm talking about like a game theory, right? So you have holders, non-holders, your team, you know, how it's all perceived, what kind of uh, strategies holders would have, non-holders would have, what kind of incentives you want to give to holders, you know, how do you get the attention? A good founder would know the kind of incentives you should give for people to care, but that's about it. So you cannot know until it really plays out. Yeah, that's one more reason, I guess, to spend, not to spend, you know, like years and years on something and not knowing uh, what the result is going to be. I think maybe if you hit something and people are really, you know, liking this, maybe you can iterate on on it, right? So we, we had, I think in terms of like products, we had Mercury, people liked it, people are using it. So we iterated on it. And then now we have Atlas, which is like the combination of everything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's trial and error and seeing what you know what sticks and you know building on top of it. Perfect. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any final words for the Web three community? Just be kind to you know one another. You know, I, I think there's um the I know the I understand the market is bad, but you know it doesn't take too much to be nice to each other. That's it. Well, thank you for that last message. So thank you so much, Alex. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today please be sure to follow Alex on X, formerly known as Twitter. His Twitter handle is AlexBSLCo. That's A-L-E-X-B-S-L-C-O. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Zero to One Cast and that it's been useful for you. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, please don't hesitate to reach out at 021fm.web3 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy your day and we appreciate you for tuning in. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue our enjoyable journey from zero to one. Thank you.